Hey friends, thanks for listening to the Axiom Podcast. Um, We're a community centered around experiencing Jesus together and practicing his ways as a community. Uh, We like to say in Peoria as it is in heaven. Um, So this podcast is just space for discussion and exploring um, ideas and principles of the kingdom and also where we post uh, our sermons from Sunday gatherings. So um, please engage us online and uh, hope you enjoy this episode. should begin to feel less like, it should begin to feel less like a reminder and more like just the state of things. That's why it's a season and not a moment for the church. Because what we're being taught in that is that this new thing that's emerging is our new normal. That this resurrected state, this new creation that's bubbling up, all of that is part of our regular It means that the world we now live in is one in which, regardless of where we are, regardless of what's happened to us, we are beginning to see Jesus all around us because we live in a Jesus-inhabited world. So if you're a stay-at-home dad or mom, if you're a student, if you're a chiropractor, if you're a a, a, a yardsman, whatever it is that you are, it's that space in which Jesus is beginning to invade your very real life. It doesn't matter what the space is, because the resurrected one is the one that is with us. Your very world is the world in which the Spirit of God is accompanying you in all that you do. And we need to think about it that way. Because it's your world that God wants in. And it's not just a good idea that we think about and we observe from afar. The invitation is to pull in close and go, okay, so I'm, so just, I'm just curious. What, like, what do you do? Name it out. Somebody, a teacher, anybody. Janitorial, bartender, landscaping. And all those spaces, all those spaces are the very place in which God, the resurrected Jesus, is living with you and showing you the way. He accompanies us in this. And and, 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 and that's different than the way things were before. It wasn't always like that. Give an example. It's kind of, and speaking of marriage, it's kind of like that. There was a time where, everything, where I was a, a, a band guy, and I played music, and I waited on tables, and I took whatever odd jobs I could get between tour, and every decision I made, I made out of my own natural tendencies, my own natural abilities, out of my own worldview, and all of that. And then I got married to Kendall, and all of that went away. Not that she said, hey, that's got to go. It's that my reality shifted. The ground changed. That as her and I began to become one, my decisions that I make, I wasn't making on my own, but I was setting my mind on the things of Kendall and I. I was setting my decisions 
on our world that we share together. Whether I was with her in person or apart, she was present with me in a way no matter what I did. I am in this new person that I was in her. I was that person whether she was there or not. And I'm trying to get at the nature of things here. That this is how we live out our with God life. And this is what Eastertide is reminding us of sharply, that we have a with God life to live in the very real world that we find ourselves in. And so your decisions, your thinking, all of it is coming underneath the vision, the thinking, the words, the encouragement of God. This is the, this is the, the essence the nature of our relationship and how it works. And this is what we also, the same principle is what we witnessed in Jesus and his relationship with the Father, by the way. You ever notice that? He would say things like, I, I, I just do what the Father does. Or when you see me, you're, you're just seeing the Father. The Father and I are one. And this is why Jesus is, is the best representation of who God is. Because he comes to us in a way that we can connect with and understand fully. Because he's a person as much as he's God. And that's why in the church calendar uh, today is John chapter 14, verse 1 through 14. You can turn there. Uh, because this text... Although it's not a post-resurrection text, it is a text that points to that in that we see in Christ and in the Father the same thing that we are now being invited to see in Jesus with us. And that's a dynamic we need to understand as disciples of Jesus. That that which we witnessed in Christ, we begin to now witness in one another. So I'm going to read through it and then we're going to go back through it uh, kind, of, kind of piece by piece. John 14, 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we, do, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. 
Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. There are quite a few um, potential landmines here in this text. It's easy to get tripped up in this text. Notice, just as Thomas does and just as Philip does, they both get totally thrown off. We see that here. Because in this text, Jesus is opening a new door in front of his disciples. Up until this point, he's been taking them down this journey, and he's known where he's going, but his followers haven't been totally sure about what they think he's sure about. So they're hanging out with Jesus, and they're hoping for this, and Jesus is like, they see the door, well, that's the door we want. You know, the one where Jesus, you like take control of everything and you're just in power and, and, and you, you, you take over Jerusalem and, and you become the new rightful king and this, this earthly kingdom, it gets established and all this, right? They see that door and it looks real sexy and they're like, we're going there and we're going to be the dudes. And, and this is what's going on kind of in, in, in chapter 13. But Jesus says, okay, uh, that's a cool door. Yes, good door, that door. Let's do that door. And that door over there... Jesus says, looks like him dying and going away. And they're, they're like all in, they're all in. And then Jesus pivots and they're like, wow, hold on. And they're, they're troubled by this. They're troubled by this. Now this language, because it's right there in verse 1, if you go back to verse 1, uh, do not let your hearts be troubled. This is where Jesus picks it up. He, he, he reads the room. He sees the trouble they're in. But this language should be familiar to you if you've been with us in Eastertide because this is the same language that Jesus brings to his disciples after his resurrection. Because again, they were going down a certain way and then wait a second, something happened, something changed, and there they are troubled. And Jesus shows up in their midst and he says, don't be afraid, don't be troubled. And Jesus Picks this back up because he knows that he could have gone through door one. But the much better door was door two. Because door two was the door that the father was standing in. Behind that door was union with the father. And he knew that that meant, regardless of what happened in my universe, it would be, I would rather be with the Father in hell than in victory without the Father. I would rather be on the cross with God than in Caesar's throne with no one. 
And we have to think about that for our own lives too. Because what you're walking towards, remember, in this new life with the resurrected Jesus, you're walking it with him. And Jesus is pretty consistently a door to number kind of guy. Jesus knew that he had something far better, but they couldn't conceptualize better, which is our problem. Our imaginations are so limited. And in our despair and our hopelessness, we lose the capacity to conceptualize greatness, kingdom greatness. So we need to hear in that space, do not be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Jesus says, I'm leaving in this way. So that, so that, listen, I'm leaving in this way to my father's house, which has many rooms. I'm going to this place, not that place. But that's where my father is. And you're going to be there with me because... Guys, hear this. Jesus says, I'm going there for the purpose of preparing a space for you. The, the one who's walked with us is choosing to go and prepare a place for us. And I love this. There's, there's a lot of room there. It's really big. It's really spacious. And, and, and this language is important for John, too, because, because in the historical setting, the place where the Father is was really small, and it was behind a veil, and that veil had the cherubim. And, and there was all these processes to get to that place. But now in this other place, it's not very small. There's many rooms, and it's really big. And you're all going to be brought there by Jesus, because his precious promise here is, I will come back and I will take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And then, pff, verse 4, you know the way to the place where I'm going. And all of us go, huh? <laughs> I do? <laughs> you have to appreciate Jesus' confidence here. What a, this is a strange idea to which Thomas appropriately responds in verse 5. He says, uh, time out! <laughs> Lord, hold up. We don't know where you are going. So how can you say, we know the way? And verse 6, Jesus answered, because I am the way and the truth and the life. And the only way to the Father is through me. I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
And then he says, if you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, and then he, doesn't, he does the strange thing again. He tells them something they know already. You do know him and have seen him. Uh, let's look at the next verse as well. And, and then Philip gets tripped there. So Thomas got tripped. Now Philip gets tripped. He says, time out, pause. <laughs> Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answers, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. And you can hold it there uh, for a minute. Now, Thomas is questioning about how do we know the way to the place Jesus is going. And Philip is questioning on how about knowing the Father and seeing the Father already. So one's concerned about a place and one's concerned about a person. And Jesus says, you already know both of these things. And, and, and what, what I catch here, and I have to like, try to put myself in their shoes, is have you ever been in that place where someone's like, hey, no, you know, you'll be fine. You, you know. You, you know. You know. When it happens, you'll know. <laughs> you'll, don't worry, you'll, you'll have the words. You'll, you'll, you have them already. I do. I will. And Jesus is assuring them, yes, you do, and you will. Now, we have the advantage because Jesus is resurrected from the dead, and I now just have great confidence in whatever he says. They weren't sure yet. They weren't sure yet. But Jesus wants to help them more, and so he doesn't just give them this, this, this principle and this idea. He, he gives them a picture. But, but I want to stay on this sort of idea of you know already, because it's a theme in Easter Tide, if you haven't noticed. Do you guys, yeah, Eric preached a few weeks ago, and he talked about this, and we talked about this in other places, because there was Jesus standing in the garden, and they knew who he was, and yet there they were standing going, excuse me, who are you? Excuse me. And this same principle shows up again and again. There's this spiritual amnesia happening. That in the midst of our calamity, in the midst of our trouble, we forget what we already know. And I think in Jesus' authority here, he's just saying something about the human condition. That we tend to doubt in the dark what was clear in the light. We talked about that on Easter but in this new Eastertide reality of the resurrected Jesus, we can celebrate while in the grave because the tomb is empty. And there's the principle again. Things are fundamentally different for those who are in Christ Jesus. But you, you know that already. You knew that already.
But this invitation, this picture that Jesus gives us here that's so helpful, and it's in verse 10. I don't know if you caught it. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Now, he's reminding them, guys, you've seen me all along, doing the will of God, living it out with the Father. And he's giving them the very picture that they're going to have. And he's saying, listen, you, just, you know just as I know. I was doing this with the Father. I was making my decisions. I was, I, was, I was thinking and talking and acting on behalf of God. In fact, actually, uh, God was, it wasn't even my words, right? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. So, so Jesus is telling us, and he's telling them, that what's happening in me, Jesus is what God's doing. It's what God's doing. I'm not doing anything on my own. And this isn't just a cognitive awareness, although it's certainly that. It's of one chord. It's like, it's like a chord in a, in a strum on a guitar. Like there's, there's different notes here. There's different people here. But they're in sync. They're in step. It's like my marriage with my wife most of the time, not all the time. We're in step. Life in the kingdom of God is a shared endeavor on the basis of loving cooperation. Your life in God's kingdom is a shared endeavor on the basis of loving cooperation. That your will, the part of you that resists when th people cross it, is beginning to soften and bend to become like God's. Your desires, your, your sick, gross desires are starting to be made new and purified and whole. And every time you're in disagreement with the kingdom of God, you're beginning to notice it because of the anger in you. And you're going, well, anger's not in the kingdom. Well, then what's up with the desire? What's getting poked at that's, that's, that's not from above? See, see how we get down to the fine essence of it, to the very nature of it, that, that, that you must decrease, he must increase. The two are becoming one. Man, I hope you guys are following me. Okay. That's what we now have, a loving union with God, where there's nothing you will ever have to do from this point forward where you won't have access to the knowledge, wisdom, and direction of God. Now, it might be hard for you to understand that, to see it, but increasingly so, you will. as you submit yourself regularly to. Verse 11, Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves, okay? Right? Like, you've seen what I did with the fish and the bread. That was cool. 
You saw what I did with the, the demon possessed? You saw that girl come back to life? Which is, is alluding to something that, wait a second, if my mind is going to become like his mind, my actions are going to become like his actions. If Jesus' actions and mind was that of the Father's, and when Jesus was acting and thinking, we were witnessing the Father acting and thinking in Jesus, now we might begin to witness in Lance, probably not, and in Eric, the actions and mind of Christ. So Jesus is shifting us in verse 11 from from what Jesus was doing to what we will be doing, right? Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Verse 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And then not Philip or not Thomas, but all of us said, time out. (laughs) What? I can ask and it'll be done. I can do what you did even greater. But follow the principle. It ain't you doing it. If it's you, it ain't happening. But as less of you and more of him emerges, and it's not the extinguishment of each of you, by the way. It's the loving, cooperative union. It's the Paul principle. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Or the Jesus principle. It's, hey, when you see me, you see the Father. Get what you get, but it is door two because it's the place of restoration. You realize that? That New Jerusalem means that a whole lot of stuff's got to die. A whole lot of ick has to be resolved and dealt with and expiated. And we all know, but you know that already because you bumped into it once or twice. Now, I need to wrap it up because I'm out of time here, but I, I just want to say this, and I'm sorry there's more to be said, but um, this, this uh, we'll call it character. This is an issue of character. The character is who you are, and who you are becoming mostly is what matters here because who you are in Christ is the kind of person that Jesus can trust with making decisions. It's the person he can say yes to when they make ask because they ask things that he would ask because you are increasingly becoming like him. That's Easter tide. It's a place of power, but it's not my power. It's the power of God, and it's the power of God in each of us. But some of you are going, hey, man, I ask boldly. I don't care. You can ask as boldly as you want to if it ain't God asking in you. see, as we are transformed into the likeness of God, we begin to ask as God asks. And it's an easy yes. It's an easy yes.
So Jesus lays the foundation for this relationship with the Father. He lays it out in front of us with the disciples. He lives it out, and he lives out all the things we're going to have to live out, death included. Each of you are going to die. Your, your bodies are going to experience pain. Your mind's going to go. All of it. And yet, that's where the Father is. The Father will be there. And that place is far better than some, whatever other idea you might be holding on to. So I urge you, take hold of it all. Say yes to the with God life. And as you do that, you'll begin to experience the freedoms of heaven here and now. And that's the big house, by the way, with many, many rooms, beginning to take up residency here and now all around you. Heavenly Father, help us in this. Help us to follow you. Help us to know. Help us to begin to see. But Lord, can we just start right where we are? We don't need to leap ahead to where Jesus was. We, you want to meet us exactly where we are. And so I ask that you would meet each person here today and their very real trial, their very real decision. Whatever it is that they are entertaining in their mind, Jesus, I ask that you entertain it with them and help them discern in accordance with you so that their life may begin to be in accordance with you. Amen.